lot of testimonies um, keep coming to me. And I just want to encourage you, if you get something that you can share or you should share, let me say it that way, uh, make sure you give that away and, you know, maybe email us at the office. We, we share testimonies regularly, in particular in our dream team, to our dream team in the pre-service experience. But some testimonies, as you can see, are very encouraging. Uh, I thought, is Eric and Tracy here tonight? Are they somewhere? Yeah, Eric. Didn't, they, didn't Eric and Tracy do a good job on the video testimony? Just really appreciate them. I wish you could know the background story, but they're just, it, the Lord has just done such a wonderful work in their lives. It's awesome. It's awesome to pastor them. It was a great testimony. But those things are very encouraging. Just, you just, it's good to look and see what God has done. God is good, isn't he? I mean, he's so good. And, and sometimes we forget that and, or we don't pause for a moment to kind of smell the roses and smell the coffee or whatever that term is. You know what I mean? And just enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living and, and acknowledge it and, and thank him for it. And I was singing uh, uh, the gym today. I was singing the song, You Are Good. You guys ever heard that song? Deej, can you go to that key? What is that key? Um, this, this, this song just... Um, it's, um, no, not the fast one, not the fast one. That's okay, though. <laughs> yeah, not that one, not that one. It, go, it, it goes, uh, you are good. You know that one? You are good. You are good. Your mercy is forever. You are good. You are good. Sing with me, help me. You are good, your mercy is forever. Then the bridge, it goes, I love this part, it goes, Your kindness is forever. Your kindness is, whatever your goodness. Your kindness is forever, forever. Your kindness is forever. Your goodness, I think. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy. Your mercy is forever, forever. You are good. Tell God, you are good. You are good. Your mercy is forever. I just think it's so important to tell God He's good. Amen. It changes you when you start to worship that way. I think that's when your perspective changes. It's in presence of God and when you worship God. It's so important to worship God every day. I don't, if you don't have to have a great voice, you don't have to be able to play the piano like Deej does. I don't play the piano like he does, but I come out here and try sometimes. And uh, just worship him because it changes everything. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, Deej, you can, you can go. I could worship all night there with you at the piano. Um, part of me was just, you know, telling God, I don't want to do this one. <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you've ever done any public speaking or, you know, uh, there's just sometimes you don't feel like, you don't feel like doing certain things. And this is one I don't, you might think I want to, but I actually don't because it's, it's a little different this time. But I want to, if I was to title this, is, I think you guys have notes there, but it's true, truths about the temple or revelations about the temple. And if, if I was to have a motto for this, it would be, I hate this about myself. Okay? I hate this about myself. And I want to talk to you honestly about something that really affects us all. I mean, directly or indirectly, we all relate to this. This is going to be one of those you could reflect back on at a different time. But I, I want to share a weakness, actually, so you can help me. You can help me as your pastor a little bit. And perhaps it will end up helping you in the process. That's kind of my, my goal or my or my uh, preference in all this. I, I believe that one of the greatest areas that we struggle in as Christians is in the physical arena. Everybody say the physical arena. In other words, those, those appetites of the flesh, uh, the focus on the flesh. And, um, you know, I sometimes appear, and, I, and that's why this is going to, I don't know, I've got to be careful. I'm trying to figure out how to say certain things. But I, I can appear, I'm just saying me personally, can appear to have it all together in this. There's certain things that I, I do that are disciplined. And, and, but I assure you, I do not have it all together in this. I, I, um, I am winning the fight, uh, but, I've been, but it's been a dogfight my whole life, this area, this physical arena for me. And um, in short, I'll say this. I love to eat. 
It's amazing how many amens and hallelujahs you get for that one. You know what I mean? That's just one of those, praise the Lord, high five, you know, spin around, sit down. Um, but um, I've struggled with, and I want to be as vulnerable as I can without being indiscreet, but I've, I've struggled with obsessing over food, um, dreaming about food, literally dreaming about food. Uh, I've planned my day around my meals, like, like the, the order and priorities of the day have been around mealtime uh, um, since I was very, very young. Um, I, my disposition, is, my, uh, my patterns or behaviors, are, I relax around food. You know, that's why they call it what food? Comfort food. You know what I mean? I get comfortable. I get relaxed. Sometimes I relax to my own demise. In other words, it leads me down a destructive path. Like I get weaker. I, I make, uh, the more relaxed I get, the more I want to eat, the more bad things I eat, etc. You know what I'm talking about. And this may be in, of interest to you. Um, I'm 40-something years old. <clears throat> and I didn't successfully fast until I was 35 years old. Say, so well, you're the pastor. I mean, you've been ministry 20 plus years. Yep, I didn't. I struggled with the appetites of the flesh so bad. I used to be so tormented by the fact that I just couldn't make it a day fasting. It was horrible. I can remember talking to my wife's uh, former youth pastor, uh, uh, Pastors Liberty Church in Alabama, Bruce Terry, about this one time we were down. And this was about, you know, something, you know, decade plus year, years ago. And I'm talking to him, and I'm just, and he's talking about this fast he's on, and he's just, you know, this guy's strong, really strong-willed guy. And I'm just like, I, I just, I had this, I just was convinced I couldn't do it. And I had all these justifications and reasons, and, you know, I'm a big guy, and I need a lot of calories, and, you know, and, you know, I work out, and all these different things, and I just, I struggled with it. And yet here it is, for Christians, it's considered a, kind of fundamental discipline, and, and I just, I don't know, I wrestled with my weight off, on and off. Um, I couldn't get the picture fast enough, but there's a, I was going to do it, and you probably think, yeah, right, but I was going to show you a picture, I was really overweight. <clears throat> Not, you know, like, I mean, when you saw it, you'd be like, wow, you know, I was surprised by that, but I can carry a lot of weight because of my frame and not look, you know, heavy. But there's this one picture, and I was with LaJean Hurdle taking a picture with her, and man, I was just bloated. And, um, but I've wrestled with it, but because I can shove it off to the side or put it away or, you know, uh, kind of up and down with it and things like that, and it's kind of a generational thing, and, um, but it's not so much about that, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. I tell you this because I just want you to know you're not alone in the battle. No, you're not alone. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Well, maybe a bag of chips. I like chips. Uh, but, and, and I prayed about this, and I, and I was thinking, you know, I, I, just, Lord, I hope this is timely. And, and he said, well, it is, because Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and, you know, and, and Christmas is right around the corner, and we're going into a season of extreme indulgence at every level of our senses. You know, and God's like, I want you to plant these things, like, plant these things in their heart and get them to just kind of think about things. And because the single greatest place of preparation regarding our temple is not what we do, it's how we think. It's not what we do which is what everything the world is telling you. It's everything, everything secular coming through our mind is say, this is, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, it's you got to think right. You need our, we need our minds renewed by the word. And so I want to contrast to start kind of some negative thoughts to make a point with God's word, okay? Now, when I was young, I had things about, and I think all of us are this way, and I'm just going to use myself as the guinea pig, so to speak, and some of this is embarrassing or whatever, but there's things about my, my body that I hated, for example, I, I, I hated my fingers. Um, my wife loves them, praise God. I, but I had these just long, I had piano hands. And, uh, I, you know, I should be playing the piano. And, 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 and because I got like, you know, 10 key span, and I can ding, 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 and I can do all that stuff. That's all I can do. I can just ding, 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 that's it, and everything in between falls apart. But I just, I just hated it. I didn't have those big, strong man hands and the big, Big, burly, you know, mitts. You know what I mean? I don't have, where's Glenn? Glenn's hands are like a glove, like, like a baseball glove. Have you, I mean, you just swallow it up in his hand. It's just strong, and, you know, and I'd be like, ah, it's nice to shake your hand. And I don't know. I just always struggled with that. This is just, my, I, I hated my hair when I was growing up. I had curly hair, believe it or not. Uh, I had curly hair. I might still have curly hair, but I've shaved my head for so many years. I don't know. People say, do you still have curly hair? I, say, I don't know. It's been like 40 years. I haven't, you know, shaved my head. Uh, so I don't really know. I was really embarrassed about that. I used to do uh, 
crazy things that I, to try to get the curls out. I'd wear these, these beanie caps or these, we call them skull caps today, just to mat out my hair. And I, I'd go to bed with them. I'd wake up in the morning and have it on. You know, I could be like in my Superman underwear and a beanie cap. You know what I mean? What's that? You know, and it just looked weird, and I just hated, you know, I don't know. I could go on all day. I had a big head. You know, I just thought no hats fit my head anyway. And I didn't, you know, just different ways that weight would carry on my body. Does anybody out there feel, feel me on this? You feel me? Like, we all have things we don't like, right? I need a little help once in a while. This is getting, it's getting embarrassing. So... I know the word hate's kind of a strong word for some, and, but that's kind of how God speaks to me. But he even, talks, he even uses words like that in scriptures, and perhaps you don't use that word, but I just like to kind of be honest about it. I would say things like, you know, I hate, I look in the mirror, and I hated my ears. I'm really, I'm really invulnerable here. I've got these little ears. We used to have, a, you know, kind of a, people used to think I was, you know, from, you know, you know African-American descent or African descent because I had little small ears. You know, little, little, little ears, you know. I can remember being Thanksgiving dinner, 10 years old, this huge long table with all these people. I'm the youngest kid at the table with, with minus my sister. And one of my relatives goes, hey, you know, um, you know, who's got the smallest ears at the table? I don't know why that was the topic. <laughs> Pass the cranberry sauce. I don't know. I didn't get that. I didn't see the connection. And, and they start all looking at everybody's ears like, oh, Derek has the smallest ears of anybody here. 10 years old, you know. I wanted to be like, well, you got the biggest feet of anybody here. And I just remember those, those things and those imprints they made. I had a friend when we were in music class when I was growing up, and he had, really, he had a really big bottom lip, you know, and the teacher came up and says, man, you got a bottom lip. You should play the trombone. And I, <laughs> he was, the kid was devastated by that, devastated by that, you know. And I, I think that we all, you know, we have these things that we don't like about ourselves. I have a friend who used to, getting more direct, used to verbalize his disdain for his body, a very close friend. And, um, and he would constantly contrast and compare himself to somebody else, or himself to his friends or close companions or other people. And, and it was interesting, listen to this, it was interesting that his disdain, his hatred for his body was so constant. And it was interesting, he always was, there was calamity always followed him excessive accidents. Uh, he broke his collarbone the day before my wife and I's wedding. Uh, um, every time he came to visit, he'd sprain his ankle. I, there, I'd have to carry him, you know, to and from, you know, the, we were supposed to have fun and play ball and do different things and volleyball on the beach and all these things. And he'd sprain his ankle like the first day on arrival. Uh, calamity followed him. But I never saw the correlation between the disdain and hatred of his body and the calamity. And I'm going to make a connection with all this as kind of we go forward. And his, his hatred for his body was compounded by, by sexual immorality. In other words, he didn't care for his body. He didn't take care of his body. He didn't see his body the way God sees it. And as a result, he was quick to fall into different kinds of sexual immorality and different behaviors. And we'll talk about this more as we go. And, but these thoughts, and you don't see it sometimes, are often a precursor, kind of hand in glove to each other. Wow. Wow. So you guys know what I'm talking about. You see what I'm saying? You all could probably point out something, you know. I wanted hair like that. I wanted, you know, I want, we always kind of, someone's sickness. We want some, there's someone's sickness. I want to be like him. I want to be like Mike. But we don't know, we don't know Mike's problems. First Corinthians chapter 6, I want to read something to you. And this, we're going to get in the Bible quite a bit, just a minute here. This is 18 to 20. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. All the other sins are outside his body, but sexual immorality is different. But he who sins sexually sins against his own, what? Body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is the what? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not, what? Your own you were bought at a price, therefore, what should we do? Honor God with our bodies. So you can sin. This scripture clearly says a bunch of stuff, but you can sin against your own body. You can sin against your own body. Now, by the way, this is, this is the more service, so we can go heavy and hard here, right? We can go a little deep here. Can everybody handle it? Yes or no? Okay, so I'm going to be strong with you. And So here's the big idea if you want to take some notes on this. If we have a way, here's the big idea, it's long. 
If we have a way of thinking that is contrary to God's word, it's an open door for the enemy. If we have a way of thinking that is contrary to, the, to God's word, the word of God, it's an open door for the enemy. And the enemy, you know, it, no matter what area it's in, by the way, I don't care what area it's in, in your life. And if you give the devil a foothold, he will make it a stronghold. Ephesians 4.27, if you need a text for that. Proverbs 4.27, ironically, a similar text for that as well. So therefore, if I don't like my body, then it's an open door for the enemy to attack my body, to destroy my body, to erode my body. Uh, the, the, the demoniac at Gadarene in Mark chapter 5 talks about all these behaviors, these demonic behaviors, but one of them was he was cutting himself. He was literally destroying his body. That's what happens when we open ourselves up, our thinking, that the path, the ultimate place that it leads to is literally destruction of oneself. Destroy yourself. That's why, and you, have, we, have we not, young people, I bet there's people in the room, and you don't, you don't have to acknowledge this, I'm just saying, but what's a big craze amongst the teens, you know, young people? Cutting themselves. See, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And that's not just destroying your physical body, it's actually opening you up to spiritual attack as well. Significant, trust me. My wife and I have counseled many people on this particular thing. So here's 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that you're, temple of, you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And then it says in John 2, 19 through 21, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple. Now, he was, they thought he was talking about a physical building, but he was talking about his body. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. They didn't get it. And you'll raise it up in three days, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. It's all through Scripture that our body is a temple. Listen to this Scripture. This is one I, I heard Jack Hayford talk about. I didn't catch this before. Um, it's just very interesting. Ephesians 5, which is called the marriage chapter or the mystery of marriage chapter or whatever. Some of you are familiar with that. But it says in verse 28 through 30 of Ephesians 5, you guys have all these scriptures in your notes, by the way? Okay. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. So we should love our wives like we love our own bodies, right? But sometimes, guys, we're not really loving our own bodies right, are we? So therefore, we're not loving our wives right. But we're supposed to. It's inferred. It's, it's he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, underline or circle that. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. In other words, this is what this is saying. It, just because it says that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. He's saying it means it's God's desire. It's God's desire that a man would lay down his life for his wife, like Jesus you know, did for the church. It's God's desire that a woman would submit to her husband, like Sarah did to Abraham. But does that mean it happens all the time? No, but we're supposed to nourish and take care of our bodies, not hate our own flesh. And there are people who don't love their bodies, but that's God's desire. And what he's saying is no one should hate his, his own flesh. He should nourish it. He should cherish it. And thinking back recently, I, I hated my body growing up. There was different things I hated about it. This may be funny. I was, uh, when I was up until my sophomore year in high school, I was very, very, very small and very, very, very skinny. Like, like, lift my shirt up, human x-ray. You can see the organs. You know what I mean? Oh, there's the, you know, heart. Oh, I can see the blood passing through. It was very, 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 very small. I was like five foot, five foot one. And then from my sophomore year to my junior year, I grew like seven inches, put on a bunch of weight. And obviously, you know, uh, and I used to think back then, I used to think that, you know, men just have to be big. Men just have to be strong. And and so I was preoccupied with that. I've obviously outgrown a lot of those problems. You know, I have victory in those areas temporarily, in a sense, you know. But I hated aspects of my body. And, and, and that's an open door. And it was, and there are different ways that it manifests, an open door for the enemy to destroy me or to destroy us. And again, another aspect of this is in the sexual realm. It's immorality. He who commits sexual, sexual immorality tries, the Bible says, tries to destroy his own body. Why? Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're subjecting the temple to destructive behaviors. There's a scripture in Proverbs 7. This is great for men and women, especially singles. Uh, I'm just mindful of that. Proverbs 7, 23, uh, 22 to 23. But it talks about the, the immoral woman. If you read Proverbs 6, 
Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Great chapters on just staying pure, staying right, staying on the right path. But in Proverbs 7, it talks about, it says immediately, uh, he, this, this man, he walked and he went down a wrong path. It says he went after her, and as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till an arrow struck his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life, his physical life. He wasn't aware what was happening. The cords of sin were wrapping around him. He was being strangulated. He was being um, suffocated, as it were. The man who goes to that immorality destroys himself. The woman who goes to that immorality destroys herself. So I believe that the enemy attacks us. He does attack us. And I realize that sometimes physically we're under attack. I get that. But when we're under attack, our reflex can't be, it's all the devil's fault. We have to ask ourselves, you know, are we giving him permission to attack? The devil goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may Mother, may I give permission to devour us? He has just a big, loud roar. He doesn't really have any bite unless we give him that opportunity or that permission to do so. So what can we do differently? Here's three revelations about the temple, okay? This is how we can expose the enemy, keep our temple pure. The Bible says that the pure in heart will see God. Without holiness, no one sees the Lord, it says. I want to see God. And I don't want the temple, this physical temple, to keep me, just like I don't want the, the temple of God, the, the auditorium, the, the physical space. We're, we, we do everything we can to create an environment for God to move. But really, the environment that God has to move in first is right here. You, me, the people of God. And we need to have a pure vessel. It doesn't mean a perfect vessel. It means a pure vessel, pure in heart. So what can we do differently? First, we have to come to the revelation, number one, our body belongs to God. Our body belongs to God. Recently, I was having a dream, just this last week, and um, I, don't, I, I don't have a lot of spiritual dreams. Like, I have weird dreams. I have dreams of, like, you know, making Noah's Ark with Mickey Mouse and, you know, eating Pop-Tarts and stuff like that. Weird, weird. I wake up and go, what was that? You know what I mean? And I, and I just, I don't know where it connects with anything. And um, I used to not have any dreams at all, just a blank page. I just wake up, you know, well, how was last night? Good, I guess. I don't know what happened. There's just nothing and then in recent years, I started having more dreams. My wife has crazy dreams, too. I can make fun of her if I wanted to, but I won't because she's my wife and she's wonderful. Uh, she has funny dreams, and she makes noises when she's having them. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's awesome. But I was having a dream, and I was preaching to another church about finances, and God was kind of gave me this opportunity to help another church. And you know how you know, we have the privilege of being you know, a pastor and coach some other churches, and, and I was speaking to another church, and I remember the church, and I know the pastor that maybe it's going to happen, I don't know. But, and I was telling the people, hey, listen, the tithe belongs to God. And that's, you know, according to Scripture, that's true. And we just returning back to him what's already his. And that's kind of the first. It's really not giving because we're just giving back to him what already belongs to him. And as I was saying that in my dream, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my dream and said, so does your body belong to God, Derek. So, in other words, he's saying to me, Derek, it's easy for you to teach that with conviction, and you get that, but you really have a hard time. You can get, it's easy for you to write that check, Derek, but it's a lot harder for you to write the check for your body. I don't know if you guys are tracking with what I'm saying. It, for some people who tithe, it's like, that, that comes easy. Give that. But give all of this? this? All of this belongs to God, too? Yeah, it does. It all belongs to God. And I went to two texts of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6 was one of them. And then another one in Colossians 1.16. If you take these two texts and you put them together, there's a principle that comes out. I'm going to give you the principle. But we were basically created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. Colossians 1.16 and 1 Corinthians 6.12-20. Inside these two verses is just, uh, you can put these two things together. It is consistent with Scripture. You're, we're created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. But I'll read 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20, it says, All things are lawful for me, but, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Listen to that. There's certain things you can do, but there's some things you can do, and you're being, if you're not careful, you're being brought under the power. One translation says, I will not be mastered by anything. The only thing that should master us shouldn't be an appetite of the flesh. It should only be the Holy Spirit. If something, how do you know if something has control on you when you can't give it over to God? When you don't surrender it to God. When it doesn't belong to him, it belongs to you. So then it says, food for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both. 
it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised both up for the Lord and will raise up us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know he who is joined to a harlot is one with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. You cannot be married, but you join with somebody else. You became one. You have a soul tie that needs to be broken <coughs> by the Holy Spirit. But he who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee. Fuego is the word. Flee. Not, not, not like fire, Spanish, okay? Flee. Fuego, sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. For some of us, if, it's, if we're honest, again, it's easy to give certain parts of ourselves, certain things that we have, but it's, write checks for it even, but give our body. That's a big one. I heard one guy say, you know, um, he was bragging. He said, I recently, there's <laughs> three three of us. He said, I recently lost 20 pounds. The other guy said, that's nothing. I've lost 700 pounds over 20 years. I just keep, you know, putting it back on. I take it off. I put it back on. I take it off. I put it back on again. I just keep finding everything I lost. And the truth is, that's, that's kind of how many, many diet, many diet like they give. Listen, many diet like they give. In other words, some, some give to get, which Deidre was teaching and, and we've been talking about in this series, that's not why we give. We give to give. We're blessed to be a blessing, right? But some people, we diet to get. We often diet to get instead of give our body over to God, to glorify God, to testify, please, honor God. And then as a reward or as a byproduct of giving our body over for God, we're healthier, we're happier, our vitality is increased, we can do more for the kingdom, we can live longer. You guys following this? Sometimes we're doing certain things, these external disciplines, for the benefits they bring, and then we're veiling it in spirituality. We're covering it up in spirituality. We often reveal our motive or belief. I think when, as a church, we fast every year, a couple times a year, at least, the first of the year is coming up, January. Get ready. Get ready. But it's 21 days of prayer and fasting, not prayer and feasting. And, and, and that time is tough for people. And what, 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 of, what often happens, it reveals our thinking. In other words, we don't prepare to successfully fast. A lot of times we'll binge and go all out because we know we're not going to be able to do this again as soon as the fast starts. What's that saying to God? What's that saying about what we believe? Are you guys tracking with me a little bit on this? And then we go through the fast only to right after, like, let's go hit the Piccadilly, Ben and Jerry's, you know? And I know one guy, he broke a fast of 21 days on nothing but water, and he had a big, huge steak, primer, something like that. He was sent to the hospital. He sent his body into shock. (laughs) So it's true. But so there's just, I don't know, my wife and I were talking about this this afternoon. It kind of just, this shows up in the behavior sometimes, and we don't, we don't see the, the whole preparation principle. Instead, we just kind of go crazy. Here's the next revelation. So our bodies belong to God. Number two, this is a tough one. Gluttony is a sin. Gluttony is a sin. This is a tough one because there's some, but there's some real important stuff in here. Listen to this verse, and this is really strong, but again, you're the Sunday night, so I'm assuming you can handle this. Deuteronomy 21, 18, it says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, remember those two words, stubborn, rebellious, Okay? who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. Remember those two words. He will not obey our voice. He is a what? Glutton and a drunkard. Those two words, glutton and drunkard. Remember that. Now look at what happens. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death <laughs> with stones. So you shall be put away from evil among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Wow! Praise God we don't have that anymore, right? Is anybody thanking Jesus for that? We should, all have, we should worship for a good 15 minutes that that is not the case anymore, all right? But there's something in here. There's, a, there's some truth in here that I want you to see. You may not realize this, but stubbornness and rebellion are always associated with gluttony and drunkardness. Stubborn, rebellious. This is, this is what's going through my brain. I've seen people, and they hit a lid spiritually. They, they kind of go backwards, come back up to that lid, backwards, come back up to the lid. They never kind of get out of the can, so to speak. They never, 
They never break the lid. You know what a lot of that has to do with is, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit more, is there's stubbornness and there's rebellion. And a lot of times that goes back to we haven't surrendered, we haven't seen that our body belongs to God, and that there's a, there's a lack of self-control and temperance, and there's kind of a, a drunkenness or gluttony to this. Gluttony, it, uh, to be a glutton means to gulp. I, I, I'm embarrassed sometimes of how I've eaten food. My mother used to say, breathe while I eat. Just breathe. My grandmother, on the other hand, encouraged me, oh, get it all in, honey. And she'd sit there like this and just watch me. I'd be like, just woofing it down, pick up my plate, you know, just crazy. She loved it. She encouraged that. But, but gluttony is, means to gulp something down. You, and you know when you gulp something down, you can, obviously, you can sometimes gag something up. <laughs> you know, you just, it's too fast. It's too furious. It's not good for you. There's a bunch of scripture I won't go to right now about gluttony. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21, if you're interested in your devotions. If you struggle, these are good scriptures to look up. Proverbs 23, 20 and 21. Proverbs 28, 7. Proverbs 23, 2 is another one. Here may be interesting facts for you. The Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, right? They had a grand split. It's called the Reformation. Martin Luther, you know, sola scriptura. We follow the scriptures. Church, you know, Catholic Church said tradition's higher than scripture. And there's this big split. But the Catholic Church put greater emphasis on the sin of gluttony than the Protestant Church. The Protestant Church actually became kind of spiritually fat and physically fat. We're, we're, we're in the Protestant Church, we're known for potluck suppers. And how many of you grew up with a potluck supper? You know what I mean? Pot, when, when, then, then we, in some of you real legalistic backgrounds, we didn't call it potluck, we call it pot faith, you know, suppers. You know what I mean? Because we don't say luck. You know what I mean? We needed faith to eat all that food and get out of there alive. But, um, but, but there was just these, these pot faith people, so to speak. And, but the Catholic Church had this different look on it. And there was, you could look at different people like Thomas Aquinas or St. Gregory. St. Gregory wrote these five acts of gluttony. Listen to these five acts of gluttony. Um, these were the five acts of gluttony. Number one, eating before time of meals. Eating before the time of meals. There's a scripture, 1 Samuel 14, 29, where it talks about the order and we don't, we don't eat before and we're kind of filling ourselves up before. The second uh, act of gluttony was seeking delicacies and better quality of food to satisfy our taste. There's a scripture in Numbers about that, 11. Uh, number three was seeking sauces and seasonings and simply to satisfy our desires. Another scripture in 1 Samuel 4 about that. I don't have time to go into those. Number four, exceeding necessary amount of food. Well, that, that definitely has been me many, many times. Not, my body doesn't even need what I'm eating. I'm just eating. I have a phrase. This is the phrase I've used for years. People say, you want to go get something to eat? And, oh, and then they'd say, oh, you just ate. I said, listen, I don't need to be hungry to eat. I mean, I've said that my whole life. Like, I can just eat any time. Just say, you want to go eat? I'll go. Does anybody relate to that at all out there? Yeah, let's just do it. So it's excessive. And, and if you look at um, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what Ezekiel's referring to. And, you know, that was one of the big sins right there on why it was destroyed. Uh, number five, taking food with too much eagerness. That was, uh, that is one. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be palpitating. I'd have, my heart would go, I can't wait. Ooh, ooh. Like Thanksgiving, my wife would tell you, it's my favorite holiday. I'd rather have a meal than a gift. You know, gravy and the turkey and the mashed potatoes. And I can make a salt salivate right here. The fried mashed potatoes are a whole nother level, you know, in our house. You know, it's an art form. But when we get ready to eat, it's, we're all excited. That's what, what, what happened to Esau. He sold his birthright for a bowl of, a bowl of beans, right? The fourth century wrote an upgrade from this. It was called the seven deadly sins. Here's the seven deadly sins. Pride, greed, envy, wrath, lust. Number six was gluttony. Gluttony is often overlooked as one of the seven deadly sins. And then seven was slothfulness. The seven holy virtues from the Catholic Church were the opposite. Humility, generosity, praise the Lord, kindness, patience, purity. The sixth one was temperance or self-control. The seventh one was diligence or excellence. Here's, but gluttony is obviously and an honestly overlooked so much, and it's minimizing our potential. Gluttony is way less a weight issue. Gluttony, listen to this, is a thought issue. Gluttony is not a weight issue. It's a thought issue. Thought, here's, this is the cycle of sin. This is how sin happens. Thoughts, words, deeds. We think it, we speak it, we do it. 
If we can stop it at the root, we'll change the fruit. We'll change the outcome. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered, brought under the control, power of anything. And in truth, like, I feel like I've been more a glutton than some people who have a weight problem. That's why I wanted to talk to you tonight, because there's a direct correlation which just says, well, he's got that under control because he's not, I'm, I'm pretty lean right now for me, for me. I still, trust me, I can still lose some weight, get leaner or whatever. Um, and, and some of this is because, listen, I hope you can get this. I'm leaner now because I have to. Some people change when they receive enough, they're able to. Some people change when they learn enough, they want to. Most people change when they hurt enough, they have to. In January, I had cancer in my stomach. And for me, not to be on a drug therapy and some kind of a chemo treatment meant, and to go a more progressive track means I have to be extremely disciplined. I take 28 supplements a day. I eat gluten-free for the last nine months. It stinks. I have to. I have to. So it's not so much you look and you just say, well, he's got it together. Listen, I have to. You don't want to have to do it. I'm grateful that I get to do it. And then it wasn't, it wasn't a too late, too bad. It's over. I'm so grateful. That, I'm grateful that I get to do it. I'm kind of grateful there's, there, there's that vice grip at all. Sometimes. But it's, it stinks sometimes. You don't have to be in that situation. Wise people learn from the mistakes. Wiser people learn from the mistakes of others. Amen. But in truth, I feel sometimes more like a glutton than some people have this weight problem because, because one person may have a genetic advantage or a metabolism advantage or on the outside it looks like it's an advantage. But you know people who eat really bad, but they're not healthy. They might be thin and they could just walk down and they could look like little models, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily healthier. And somebody else can be a little bit more robust, a little bit healthier. I mean, uh, you know, healthier in, their, in terms of their weight, but they're not healthy inside. They're healthier inside, excuse me. And so the point is to not make this so much about weight. Just like D just talked this morning, it isn't so much about money. Rather, it's more about our heart. This subject is much more about our thoughts. In short, we must come to a revelation that this temple belongs to God, and when you do, you steward it differently. You think about it differently. And when you see clearly that the sin of gluttony, as it attempts to entice you beyond healthy enjoyment, God wants you to, it's okay to have ice cream. Trust me, I love ice cream. All right? But just everything in moderation. Nothing that would master you. You know, if my father and I used to judge each other. Deidre was talking about judgment this morning. But when we were going through, we was all external, you know, and we'd talk about eating right. And I, I'm kind of his proselyte as it comes to health and things like that because he had a heart attack at 29, my daddy. And then at 39, his, grandf- his father, excuse me, had a heart attack. And at 49, his father had a heart attack. When I was 19, I was sweating bullets. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was a generational thing. When I, was, when I turned 19 on my 19th birthday, I felt a physical manifestation of fear, like I was going to have a heart attack and die. There was a generational curse. Because, listen, because of the abuses of the temple of the Holy Spirit generationally, I had a greater predisposition towards those problems. I didn't even do some of the same things that were done because of a curse. So this, this thing is bigger sometimes than we think about. Your management of the temple isn't just about you. It's beyond you. And I thank God that my father made a major course correction. But we used to judge each other. And, and you know, we go all day eating right and doing right. And then in the middle, like, I could hear him, like, late at night, go down in the kitchen. My mother always had a kitchen clothes policy at a certain time. She didn't want to clean up after us. And he, it's true. And, and he'd get into the, I could hear him getting into the cupboard, pulling potato chips out. And I'd come out and go, ha-ha, you know, like, busted, you know. Or he's dipping something, chicken and mayonnaise or something like that, you know. And. I'm like, you got a problem with mayo, you know? You need to give that up. And he'd say something about what one of my problems were. Anybody ever do that? It's so bad. But it's okay to have other loves as long as they don't have you. Here's the third one. This is the most important one. Number three. You guys getting something out of this? You sure? All right. Uh, Number three, give your body to God. It's a very simple message. Your body belongs to God. Gluttony is a sin. Give your body to God. In other words, the the same way we make a conscious decision to give our hearts to Christ uh, and, and, and be born again. The same way we make a decision to give, as Deej was talking about this morning, ownership of our finances to God. In the same way, um, we do that. We must, in the same way, of an act of our own free will, give our body to him. Romans 12.1, many of you, re- you know, read this before. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice to God. I think sometimes we hear that verse. I don't, have you ever heard that verse before, Romans 12, 1? And we just kind of like, whoo, just goes right over. What, are you, what is he talking about? He's talking about your body. This, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about this. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, everybody say body, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 7, 4. This is a cool scripture. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Praise the Lord, all the men said. Man, you guys didn't jump on that like I thought you would. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Amen. Nobody said anything there. All right. The wife's like, I don't want to tell him. But in other words, this is saying your body doesn't just belong to God. It belongs to somebody else. But it definitely doesn't belong to you. You are to steward it for God and for others. It, it belongs to your wife. It belongs, in my case, it belongs to my family. I have to think about my wife and my family when it comes to the stewardship of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we can assume that the way we are living can affect our time here on earth and cut us short. I don't know how to, I don't, you know, my, my grandfather, um, Ernest Clifton Fry, I get my middle name for my grandfather. I just really got vulnerable tonight because I hated my middle name, too. Ernest Clifton Fry. My father's middle name is W. William. He used to say it was wonderful. Ernest, wonderful. But my grandfather, he, he passed away early on when my dad needed him most. Frankly, when I, I would like to have had him been around. He passed away, I think, about 22, 23 years ago. I was in college, you know, and he was not healthy. He was a hard worker. Oh, man, he was a hard worker. Super talented, a great man. I loved being with him. I had awesome experiences with him as a child, learning about farming and construction and mechanics. You know, but I was so young, not enough to retain it, not enough to apply it. Boy, I could really use that now. For a person who owns a home, has four kids and four cars that I pay for insurance, pray for me. Um, I wish my grandfather was around. But even more, my father, when he was going through a certain phase of his life, you know, and his, 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 his dad wasn't there. Uh, a modern contrast I have, this is Brother Billy. Some of you know Brother Billy Hornsby. He was um, a spiritual father to me, a mentor. And Brother Billy is the founder of the Association of Related Churches, president, founder, incredible man. He had a major impact on Stacey and I's life. We were, I kind of consider myself one of his spiritual sons. But he, but he went home to be with the Lord three years ago in March. He was a very young man, you know, 62 years old. And, and used to get, you know, we used to hang around Brother Billy. It was so fun. He's so life, I mean, the greatest man of God ever, but he did not have victory in his temple. And I, I guarantee you in heaven, he's looking down and saying, preach it, preach it, son. Just tell him, tell him. He's taking insulin shots, you know, while we were out to eat sometimes into his stomach. And then he'd, you know, let's, you know, let's go have a good time. You know, he'd have all these little jokes. You know, you can't, you can't get, get this big without needing a lot. You know, you got to keep, you got to keep nourishing this thing, you know. And people used to call him the man from Samaria. Not S-A-M-A-R-I-A, but some area, you know. <laughs> That's what he used to say, you know. And uh, the man from Samaria. But, uh, and he was just fun, man. I, you know, at least I'll die happy, you know. I'm a Cajun and all these different things that he'd say. But, but he's gone. And I think his, I think his ministry was, was cut short. And no one's going to mandate this for you that you do these three things, but you, but you. You have to choose to give your body to God, just like you have to choose to surrender your heart to God, just like you have to choose to surrender your life to God. You have to choose to surrender your body to God. It's not a heaven and hell issue, praise the Lord. It's a fulfill your mission on earth issue to the full. That's the issue. In the hospital in January for me, uh, I remember just, you know, a day when I was, semi-conscious. I had a lot of medications during that time, and I remember spending a lot of time with the Lord, especially at night, because I couldn't sleep that well. You know when you're in pain, and you're just struggling, or whatever, just up, and you don't want to complain, because nobody, nobody can really do anything. And um, I remember just, why, why? Why is this happening, you know? And, and, and because, you know, on the outside, I've, I've, I eat probably more discipline than most people. I exercised, you know, five out of seven days a week. Most people don't do that. I realize that. But there were these areas of bondage in my behavior. And a lot of it was in my thinking, not so much in my practices. And, and there were certain things in my practices, and I could list those for you if, if I needed to. But there were some things I needed to change in my behavior. But a lot of it was in my thinking. 
And, what I, and I just said, God, I, you know, I, I want to make some changes that last. I don't want to go back to the same person that I was. I, wanna, I want my life to be better. I want to see things in perspective. I want to be here a long time. I want to finish well and finish strong. I, I started to look more ahead. And I think when it comes to our bodies, because we don't see them right, we're just kind of, we, we don't pay attention to the fact that if we don't take care of it, we're taking time off the clock. You know, and we're not looking ahead. We're just kind of looking at today. We're just in a consumption mentality. We're in a kind of pleasure mentality. We're not in a, you know, see the future, eternity mentality. Finish strong. Think about other people while we're doing it. And again, like I said, my father's father went to home to be with the Lord very early, and I saw the effects on my pops. It was tough for him. And I'm sure there's people in the room that had similar things or different things. And, 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 I, and I had, you know, many thoughts when I was in there, I remember the, when I went in, I thought one thing. When I came out, I realized it was much more serious. But I had thoughts about, you know, could my life be cut short? Could, was this potentially life-threatening? What? And just dying? I, I just wasn't even on my radar, you know? And I thought I have to be here, you know, and God wants me here. And the reason he's, he's, he's given me this opportunity to look at things differently because the Holy Spirit's expression through me is not yet fulfilled. And I'm saying the same, this applies to you too. The Holy Spirit's expression through you can, can be fulfilled or might not be fulfilled by how we think and how we view the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have to have an attitude and a mindset and a conviction, I need to finish strong. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Say that word with me, temperate. That's self-controlled. That's the opposite of gluttonous or drunkenness. Drunkenness is just a lack of self-control. He's tempered in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. That's what the world's doing. Look good on the outside, have the six-pack, all the, you know, be able to do 50 million things physically, whatever. They're doing it all for that. But we, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Who does that? I must do that. Why? Lest when I have preached to others, I myself might be disqualified. People are being disqualified all the time because they don't have a revelation about the temple of the Holy Spirit. People are being cut short. Who cut, people are being cut in on and their race cut short. And, and I had to come to a place in the hospital in January, somewhere around, the, I forget the dates, 20th or something, or 17th of January. And I can remember being in that room, laying flat on my back, helpless, Mr. Strongman, I was reduced, listen, and don't take this the wrong way, but I, I, when I went, days before I went, I could pick up the back of a car, but when I was in there, I couldn't lift anything, I couldn't open a refrigerator door. Emotionally, I was, it was even worse than the physical, was the emotional change that took place in me. I was completely, like, just incapacitated, and I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, what, what have I done? Look at me. Look at me. What has happened here? And I just said, I'm sorry, God, for doing this to your temple. I'm sorry. Everyone has an area in their life they don't like about themselves. Your face, your lips, your feet, your hair. Too heavy, too small, too tall, whatever. I'm just wondering for you if that's an open door for the enemy to get in. And if you don't see your body as a gift from God, fearfully and wonderfully made, meant to be cherished, meant to be nourished physically, spiritually, meant to be disciplined and brought into subjection, you know, if you don't see that, if you don't see it right, then you're giving the enemy an open door. You may be saying, you know, I, there's different times, consciously or unconsciously, I hate this about myself, and, you know, and maybe, maybe you don't say that, but I hate that I did this, or I hate that I did that. And we are to hate the acts of the flesh, but it's different when it's turned against ourselves. Are you tracking with me? So if you don't see your body right in some way, some category of your life, would you stand to your feet because I want to pray for you. And I think this is an all play. I would, I would, I would assume so.
Jesus. Does anybody have something in concert, you know, in agreement, you know, that would encourage either by vulnerability or by testimony, uh, something they feel like they should add or could encourage somebody they'd like to share quickly before we pray? I don't want to. Any of you guys witness to this? Yes? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, well, let's just close our eyes. I think there's nothing in me that wants to bring condemnation. I know when talk about the temple usually comes from the pulpit, a lot of times it comes with condemnation. That is, I just ask God, I said, Lord, help me because I think they think I have it all together. I don't. I need you to pray for me too. I need prayer in this. I need to be free, completely free and totally free. And, 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 and you know, it, it, it's a dog fight. But I, I'm standing here today with a level of victory that I haven't had in my life in many years. And, and God said, but in spite of that, I, I, I feel like I fall short. And God said, I want you to minister to them out of your weakness. Minister to them out of your weakness. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you just help me um, as your vessel, Lord, to open up people's eyes. This is what I'm getting right now. Just, just, just listen. This applies to you. Just don't disturb your neighbor to your right left. Just keep your focus, you know, as the Spirit speaks to you. But rebellion and stubbornness. If you resonate when I was talking about that, all rebellion and stubbornness, you, it's all different areas of your life. But, but in the temple, in the area of the temple, we haven't fully surrendered your body to God. Your, your loins lead you. Your fleshly appetites dominate you. You, you find yourself, you know, in this, in this dogfight over and over and over again, and you lose. You struggle. I'm just going to take it to a particular area. It doesn't have to be just this. But you struggle to, to maintain a hold, a discipline for any length of time. You, you struggle to fast. You struggle to kind of break through certain things. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need prayer in that particular area. All right, now just put your hand on your heart and just say, in Jesus' name, I renounce stubbornness and rebellion. I fall into agreement with the word of God. And I fall out of agreement with thoughts that are contrary to his word. I decide tonight not to give permission anymore to the enemy. I submit to God. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you.